Lyudmila Pavlichenko is also known as Lady Death the deadliest female sniper in history with 309 confirmed kills. And they feared her so much that they started using loudspeakers to attempt to bribe her over to their side, offering her high-ranking positions and chocolate. Chocolate! <laughs> We've yeah. kidnapped her! Come right. over here! You're a woman, you like those things, right? Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I am Chloe Skye. I'm Sarah Gorski. And I'm Sam Eggers. And today I wanted to talk about Lyudmila Pavlichenko, who is also known as Lady Death. Oh! Yes! I've heard of her, Chloe! Lady Death? I have not. Oh man, strap in, because... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for real though. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, I chose her because I I read this this article about a team of elite Russian female snipers during World War II, and it listed her as the deadliest female sniper in history with 309 confirmed kills. Oh my god! Uh, amazing. Yes, I I also looked up uh, American sniper Chris Kyle and his kill count just because I wanted to know. <laughs> And he has 160, so slightly more than half of, <laughs> of, of her Americans kill suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> only 100. What a baby. <laughs> only 160 kills? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Couldn't even break 200. What a wuss. <laughs> so yeah, so Lyudmila, is a, she's a badass. So I'll go back to her early life and we'll, we'll catch up and get the whole story because it takes some twists and turns. Nice. Awesome. She was born in 1916 in Balaya Tsurkov, which is presently in Ukraine, but at the time was in the Russian Empire. Her father was a factory worker. Her mother was a teacher. Later in life, she described herself during this time as a tomboy who would not allow herself to be bested by boys, quote, in anything. (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) She said that when a neighbor boy boasted of his exploits at the shooting range, I set out to show that a girl could do as well. She then... She got a job at an arms facility and started, like, manufacturing weapons and then using them to help her train with a rifle. Oh, my gosh. In, <laughs> Wait, she in, was, like, this is, like, when she's a kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, she's, <laughs> uh, she's like, a teenager at this point when she get this, gets this job. Oh, my God. Russians are amazing. <laughs> so then in, in 1937, she goes to Kiev University with the hopes of becoming a scholar and an educator. And she competed on the track team. Her events were sprinting and pole vaulting. And this whole time, she's also taking courses at sniper school. Whoa. Sniper school? There's a thing? Such a sniper thing as school. sniper school? Apparently. <laughs> that She said she enrolled in like late night classes at, at, to train for s- sharpshooting. Wow. And uh, Late night. Late night sharpshooting classes. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Right. <laughs> so um, she's in Odessa during the siege of Odessa in 1941 
which is the 73-day assault where the Romanians and Germans attacked over the course of four separate invasions. Um, and it took that long mainly because Russia did such a good job fighting back. She decided that when this happened that she was going to drop everything, not finish school, and go enlist in the army. Wow. They would not take, this is a quote, she said, they wouldn't take girls in the army, so I had to resort to all kinds of tricks to get in. At the time, the recruiters and the men in charge all tried to push her to become a nurse. They were like, it's it's more important, you know, you're a woman, you should obviously be a nurse. And so finally she, she was like, okay, I'm not going to be a nurse, I'm going to bring them all of my sharpshooting medals and honors and awards that I've won over the course of my time here in Russia. And she brings them and, and they're like, okay, well, this is pretty undeniable. I guess I guess you can join the army. Oh, I guess we'll <laughs> let you. After right. she brings God. her like 50 medals she's won for her sharpshooting skills. Yes. And, and she did, it said she had like most of the top awards you could win as a sharpshooter at the time. Thank God she kept all her receipts, huh? Right. She was quite impressive. <laughs> so she was immediately enlisted in the 25th Chapayev Rifle Division and proceeded directly to the battlefront at her request. Uh, unfortunately, there were a lack of guns, so she was relegated to digging ditches for a while. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she got in because... She was so skilled, and then they were like, "We don't, we don't have anything for you. You're just gonna have to." And uh, oh my god, they're like, "Here's a slingshot." Right, they're such a mess. I I also read that during this time there weren't a lot of women in the military. Like they were Mm -mm. allowed to join, but there were not many. And frequently, she said she had to turn down and rebuff advances from her superior officers, who were just all trying to sleep with her. And and I think this ditch digging job was perhaps partially a punishment for constantly denying her superior officers. That tracks. <laughs> that does track yeah. the history of treatment of womankind. <laughs> right. She, she remarked later in a memoir, she said, it was very frustrating to have to observe the course of battle with just a single grenade in one's hand. Um, <sighs> I can't even, I can't imagine if people are just dying all around you and that's all you have. Jeez. Yeah, no shit. But she somehow persists. Let's see. How does she get 300 kills? (laughs) Right. Eventually, one of her colleagues is injured by shrapnel, and he was no longer capable of using his rifle, so he gave it to her. So now she has a rifle. Finally. rifle. Okay, we'll take it. (laughs) So she also said that she knew she was supposed to kill people, but she hadn't gone through, like training to get over that hurdle so her first day on the battlefield with a gun she she choked and she couldn't even raise her gun at all and she just like froze up Mm. and then when she froze up she like saw the person she wanted to shoot and she couldn't do it and then the guy who was in the ditch next to her was killed by that person oh and she was like she quoted later she said uh he was such a nice happy boy and he was killed just next to me after that, mm. nothing could stop me. Wow. Wow. Well, I bet it sounds like she wasn't like properly, like usually they go through like a ton of training. Yeah, they didn't have time. Because I was doing research on one of my broads that's coming up. Um, I, and they are also Russian. And so I was reading up about like some of the stuff that was going on at World War II for the, on the Russian side. Mm-hmm. And like the Germans invading Russia 
like they they were like putting they were like having a lot of success doing it and so russia was like oh god we have to train more troops we need more people and they just kind of pushed through a bunch of troops like kind of through like super fast training because they just didn't have time and they just needed to get more boots on the ground so that sounds like this probably is the same thing that happened to yeah, her. Yeah, she she was one of the first wave of recruits when when they were doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. So uh, so she sets out to prove her skills. She's still not like fully accepted by the other men in her in her troop. So they decide to hold a, a sort of audition for her. They're defending oh my this. God. <laughs> they're what? defending this hill, and. Um, she calls this her baptism of fire and the guys challenged her. They're like, there's, Hey, see those two Romanian soldiers over there that are digging that ditch. It was like a quarter mile away. Why don't you kill them? And so she killed both of them with two shots and said that (laughs) that's when she was finally accepted by the other soldiers. But she also says that she doesn't count those two kills in her list of confirmed kills quote, because they were test shots. (gasps) Okay. All right, Ludmilla. Yeah. So. Oh my so god. So it's at least it's at least three eleven, <laughs> but she doesn't count those. Shit. And so, then they finally let her shoot on the uh, the battlefield. Yeah. So so now they're like, okay, you you're a sniper. She starts her service as a sniper in August of 1941. She fought until June of 1942. So like ten months, she was like hardcore just a sniper. And during this time, I didn't see exactly where she met her husband, but it was very short-lived because he took a bullet on the battlefield and there were no medics around. And supposedly she dragged him across the battlefield in an attempt to get help, but couldn't find anyone and he died in her arms. Oh, Oh, that's tragic. So, and the, the other soldiers said like, she never really got over that. She was, she seemed a lot angrier and crueler after that. Yeah. As if I mean, it was a surprising response. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's going to yeah. mess you up a little bit. So she starts when she's when she's going after her targets, rather than just shooting like the officer to cause chaos and make everyone try to flee, she'll like shoot somebody in the leg and wait for them to cry for help and for people to come around and then kill all of them. And so she's just Ooh. like ready to kill every German because they came in and just attacked her homeland and then killed her husband and and they're trying to take over the world and fuck them oh my god so she earns the nickname lady death amongst the germans and uh, they knew her by name and they feared her so much that they started using loudspeakers to attempt to bribe her over to their side offering her high-ranking positions and chocolate chocolate we yeah. Come <laughs> right. Over here. Right. But You're a just, woman. You like those things, right? They're like we had right. stockings, French silk stockings. Right. Couldn't you? Wasn't chocolate? Wasn't there like a chocolate shortage during World War II as well? Like, wasn't that like a hard to get like commodity? Probably. Yeah, I think that's one of the items that was rationed, so it was a big deal to have it. That and like coffee. Then, then it, maybe it was an even better selling point than it sounds like. <laughs> but she, she killed she, her husband in right. front of her. Right. <laughs> She's like, like I, I really <laughs> like chocolate. I mean. <laughs> this is a tough choice. I just like, I just, come on, Germany. Like, there's chocolate. <laughs> but can't you just, like, the like, concept of it. The, I can just like hear the loudspeaker. They're like, Lady Death, come to us. We will respect you. 
we have very much chocolate for you to enjoy. Like it would, it's just so. Like, it's also just like so degrading. Like, would they ever have offered that to a man? Like, would they ever have been like, "We have chocolate for you"? <laughs> no, it's like a. It has to be this sexist pig thing, you know. I didn't find a single report of them offering chocolate to any of the other snipers. So <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <laughs> So uh, every time she hit another 100 deaths, she got promoted. She's slowly given like more and more dangerous positions, such as counter sniping. Whoa, like sniping the snipers? Yeah, like getting into Whoa. duels. Like, did either of you ever see the movie Enemy at the Gates? Yes. Yes. Great movie. It's So it's pretty much that. Like every single scene from Enemy at the Gates, as I was doing my research, I was like, was that scene based on her? <laughs> oh, probably but they had yeah. to make because, it a dude so that audiences would like it <laughs> right because because i found out like you know there's tons of to russian snipers and everything during the war but she by, far and away got more kills than any of the male snipers and invented all of these techniques to like not be discovered like she was she'd tie cloth ribbons and strips of of, of fabric to trees so that they'd flutter in the wind and distract mm-hmm. the enemy snipers she brought store mannequins out to the front with her and would and would prop them in places that snipers might hide to draw oh their God. fire oh wow and and she would do a, a lot of her hunting in the rain where she knew it would be more difficult to see and hear her damn wow i have a question was she so it was 100 deaths per promotion was it that many deaths for dudes to get promoted, or was that like the woman's number? I don't know. Uh, I think that she, I mean, once they realized how badass she was, she sort of immediately earned their respect, and like they promoted her fairly quickly, like kind of as earned, it seemed like. And, and in the way that she talked about her time, like once they started respecting her, she talks about it like I'm I'm honored and privileged and they treated me very well from from there. Like she hmm. she mostly had trouble with her superiors, but she didn't really have trouble with anyone equal to her or below her anymore. And then it she, very quickly she became like one of Russia's like proudest ally or yeah. yeah, they 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 just really really loved having her and they were like she's one of our most valuable assets. She was a Soviet mm-hmm. hero, yeah. Right. So, so her typical strategy in, in her sniping assignments was to arrive at her spot at 3 a.m. and then remain perfectly still for often up to or longer than 18 hours, eating only bread and water. And she wouldn't even move to use the bathroom. She would just go where she was laying and then clean up later. 18 hours. That's a really long time. Yeah. 18 hours. Holy yeah. shit. I can't sit still while we're recording. like one episode you you might (laughs) sniping might not be in the future for you i don't think so (laughs) um and then there's all these little little stories of things that happen like one time she climbed a tree because she was trying to scout the area and an enemy sniper took a shot and hit the branch that she was on and so she pretended she got hit and she fell she let go and fell 12 feet to the ground and then didn't did not move until nightfall where she crawled away back to safety Oh my god. So they thought they shot her, but they hadn't. Right. They were like, she hasn't moved for nine hours now. She's probably dead. And then she just slowly crept away with the dark. Oh my god, she's amazing. 18 hours. Wow. Yeah. And then in another duel, this this was one of the things that reminded me of Enemy at the Gates. She recognized the enemy's tactic of raising a fake helmet. 
to draw to draw her fire but she was like no 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 that's a that's a trap and so she didn't fire and instead she backed up into a briar patch and was just like getting poked and stabbed for hours by all these brambles until finally the enemy sniper got impatient and he shifted a little bit and she killed him Ah! my god she was amazing yeah she ultimately she won 36 sniper duels which is significantly more than anyone else got to. Like, the average lifespan of a sniper was three weeks. Ooh. And they they had recruited 2,000 female snipers, only 500 of which survived the war. Wow. When they were doing a duel, were they, they, would be, they would just, like, identify, like, hey, there's a really good sniper. We're going to send you to this location specifically to kill that specific sniper. Is that how it worked? Sometimes. Sometimes it was more like, we're, we're sending you to go scout this area, and there happens to be a sniper there. And she mm. would realize that and then be like, oh, well, now we're in a duel. And the longest duel she was in lasted three days, where they Whoa. just, for 72 straight hours didn't move and kept trying to like outsmart each other and outthink each other wow she said it was the most stressful time in her life i'm like that makes sense the concentration and the patience that this requires and and Mm -hmm. and also to be under such stress and maintain that and also i mean i'm I'm just thinking like you're hungry you're tired like you say you have to use the restroom so you just go where you are that's just incredible you have to have such self-discipline and mm-hmm. stamina mm-hmm. and patience all these things i don't have at all <laughs> <laughs> she's later quoted describing what she was doing at this time she's just the quote is we mowed down hitlerites like ripe grain <laughs> and i i just i really like that quote <laughs> i like um, it too <laughs> that's like a badass bitch thing to say yeah. i love it <laughs> So by May of 1942, she had risen to the rank of sergeant, and uh, the War Council of the Southern Red Army uh, called her in and cited to her that she had killed 257 men, uh, 100 of which were German officers, and her response to them was, I'll get more. Huh. It was her yearly review. (laughs) You right. only got 257. Right. You, 257. I'll do, I'll do better. I'll do better. So, <laughs> oh so a month later, she has hit her 309 kills, and the the German bribes have turned into threats. Over a the month loud- later. So that's yeah. a month later, she got fifty over 50 more yeah. kills. Yes. Jeez. Oh, my God. Over the loudspeaker on her last day in combat... They said, if, if we catch you, we will tear you into 309 pieces and scatter you to the wind. And she said that this was delightful because, quote, they knew my score. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, and I also took note that um, 309 is only the confirmed kill count. And confirmed kills uh, are only kills that were witnessed by at least one other person. And apparently, she liked to work alone most of the time. Oh my god. So she killed more. Right. So she would go out, she wouldn't bring a spotter, like most, like in Enemy at the Gates, there's two of them, and one of them's like checking out to see if there's anybody out there. And she was like, no, that's gonna get me caught. I'm better than everyone else, pretty much. I'm gonna go out wow. by myself. So it's it's entirely possible that her number is significantly higher than 309. 
Wow. My guess for why she went out alone is that there weren't a lot of women to go out with, and she didn't want to just sit there with some guy complaining that they were sitting still for 18 hours. Uh, who, know, who knows? I don't know. I don't Can know we that move that's true. Now? No lies detected. No lies detected. Right. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, if I was her, like, I, I wouldn't want to bring these guys with me. I, I don't know. <laughs> So Man. during June, also, she is hit with a blast of shrapnel in the face. Oh. And Soviet high command, uh, considering her too valuable to lose, orders her immediate evacuation from Sevastopol by submarine. So she's wow. taken out of there. And she gets a submarine rescue? Yeah. Sweet. She's too important. <laughs> she spends two months recovering. During this time, she trains a whole sniper school of 80 more students who... <laughs> All in between the eighty of them got two thousand more confirmed kills over the rest of the war. Jeez! Oh my god! And after she finishes training this school, she gets her new orders. She's to be sent to America and convince them to join the war. Oh! Whoa! So she is sent to meet with President Franklin Roosevelt, so that she can convince him hey, we really need a second front in Europe from the West so that Hitler is distracted and has to fight on two fronts because right now we're not doing so hot in Russia and we would really appreciate it if some of the pressure was relieved. Right. Oh. Right, the U.S. came in really late to the war. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this Did is 1942. Succeed? Did FDR, like, dig her? What happened? Well, uh... I don't know so much about FDR, but I know Eleanor Roosevelt loved her. Of course she did. Of yes, of course our girl Eleanor did. Right. So someday after... we're going to do Eleanor, by the way. Someday we're yeah. going to do her. Oh, yeah. Oh. She keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. So after her meeting with FDR, Eleanor Roosevelt brings her aside and says, I would like to take you on a tour of America, and I'd like you to give speeches and talk to the press and tell everyone what it's like to be a woman in combat, because that's what we need. Hmm. Wait, but women weren't allowed in combat in the U.S. Right, and she, they were, she was making a push for it. This is 1942, which is the year mm. that they started the women's troops. And I mm. think Ludmila Pavlichenko's tour was a big part of what like opened up the possibility in people's mind to allowing women. Because she, she really shamed all the guys in America. Mm. <laughs> yeah, put no it, shit. Put it that way. <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing. So, while she's on this tour, uh, reporters start asking her questions like, are you worried that your uniform makes you look fat? And do you curl your hair? And are women allowed to wear makeup on the front? Of course. And oh. her response to that last one is, well, there's no rule against it, but who has time to think of her shiny nose when there's a battle going on? Fuck yeah. There's articles written about her that say she wore no lip rouge or makeup of any kind and that there isn't much style to her olive green uniform. <laughs> heaven, heaven forbid a woman appear in public without their makeup. I know, oh. right? The New York Times dubbed her the girl sniper. <laughs> God. The girl. Like she's a 12-year-old girl. Right. Who's killed 309 <laughs> German right. Well, enemies. at this time, she's 25 years old, so it she is kind of young compared to all these journalists. But yeah, she's not a child. She's killed 309 plus Nazis. Yeah. 
Jeez, so show some respect, uh, motherfuckers. And at one point, she's had enough of all these dumb American journalists, and she just snaps and she goes, "I wish that you could experience a bombing raid." Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Snap. Yeah. I could do like a whole hour just on the ridiculous things that Americans say and do and give to her like on this tour, but I'm just going to move on. So if you're interested, look it up. It's it's both amusing and depressing. Um, and and quite frankly, I think we have enough self-shame about America right now that we don't, yeah, yeah. We don't need to hear it all. You, you can look it up. Smithsonian Magazine. <laughs> yes. Smithsonian Magazine has a great article about all of the horrible shit Americans said to her, but... Anyway, over the course of the tour, she starts to find her voice and she figures out the the sort of message that she's trying to to send to America. She wants to express just how bad the Nazis really are. She talks a lot about how they, when they take over a town, their soldiers will just rape all the innocent women and murder the children. She says that she's witnessed it with her own own eyes. She says Mm. she expresses what it feels like to see your friends and your husbands just die in front of you. And... By the time she reached Chicago, she was smiling more. People say that she sort of had like a friendship with Eleanor Roosevelt and she'd found like a like female kinship with her and uh, started sort of goading the men in the audience. There's this quote. I love this quote. She said, gentlemen, I am 25 years old and I have killed 309 fascist occupants by now. Don't you think, gentlemen, that you have been hiding behind my back for too long? Oh, that's oh. good. Yeah, that's really good. She had a bigger dick than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And oh, she also, man. during these these same sort of rallies, she would urge American women to rise up and fight for equality. She said, from the first day of the revolution, full rights were granted the women of Soviet Russia. One of the most important things is that every woman has her own specialty. That makes them as independent as men. Soviet women have complete self-respect because their dignity as human beings is fully recognized. Whatever we do, we are honored not just as women, but as individual personalities, as human beings. Because we can be fully that, we feel no limitations because of our sex. That is why women have so naturally taken their places besides men in this war. Mm. Um, I like it. And she ultimately became really famous in the U.S., which is maybe why you heard her name before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Notoriously, Charlie Chaplin kissed each of her fingers one by one, saying, It's quite remarkable that this small, delicate hand has killed Nazis by the hundreds. <laughs> okay, I know that's supposed to be sweet, but that's super creepy. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. That's like, no. Like, no. I'm, I'm sure she, <laughs> she did not take it the way he intended it to be taken. <laughs> So when she gets home, she's promoted to major, receives the gold star of the hero of the Soviet Union. She's twice awarded the Order of Lenin. She spends the rest of the war training more snipers. After the war, she goes back to finish her education and she becomes a historian. And uh, in 1957, Eleanor Roosevelt visits her at her home. Oh. But because the, uh, the Cold War tensions are so high, she's sent with a handler. Reportedly, they were able to sort of steal away a few moments away from the handler because they wanted to just be alone and not have to have this person spying on them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Eventually, she ends up getting married again. There's not really a whole lot known about that. She has severe PTSD and depression. She has a bunch of bouts with alcoholism. Um, I'm sure there was happiness, too. 
but there was a lot of pain in her later years. Mm. Uh, she dies in 1974 at age 58 from a stroke. Oh, kind of young. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a rough life, though. Ruski's had lead the rough life. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if she was battling alcoholism and other stuff, too. It doesn't help yeah. your body. <laughs> yeah. Man, what a broad. I love her. She's a badass. And, like, BFS with Eleanor. I want to see that play. Yeah, right? If, if you were thinking, wait, why doesn't she have a movie? She does have one. It's called Battle for Sevastopol. It was made in 2015, funded by Russia and Ukraine together, and it is available on Amazon Prime, which I don't have anymore because I stopped paying for it because I don't want to give Jeff Bezos any more money. But if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch (laughs) it and uh, let me know how it is. Interesting. Yes, I'd like to see that too. Well, you know, Russia has a huge, Russian cinema is very, they've got like a huge docket of films that just like never get over here. Mm-hmm. So that is not surprising to hear. But I, I like that that one at least is available here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you can watch Enemy at the Gates and just imagine it's her. Right. Okay. right. <laughs> Why did they make it a dude? How lame. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember hearing a bunch of criticisms of that movie at the time and not really looking into why. Because I was like, I don't know, I like the movie. But yeah, it's it's because you're hiding a, a pretty important part of history. Wow. How incredible. I love her. I'm so glad that I know about her now. She, I remember when you mentioned her, I thought, oh, I know that name, but I had no idea why. I, I didn't hear that she had ever come to America to advocate for women in the army. That's so cool. And it, mm-hmm. it kind of makes yeah. me mad because there's this, uh, the PBS documentary on the Roosevelt's is amazing. It's a miniseries. It's something like 12 hours. It's so good. I recommend that anybody watch it. And also Meryl Streep does the voice of Eleanor Roosevelt, which is amazing and kind of hilarious um pbs you said yeah it is uh, it's so so good but they're they don't include her in that chapter at all when they're dealing with elnor and franklin in world war ii and i'm so disappointed that they didn't have that in there yeah Yeah. it, it, it was a pretty big thing like they toured the whole country eleanor was a part of this for a long time and i I, didn't like immediately lead to america joining the war but it did something. Yeah. Wow. What a broad. What a broad. What a, what a broad. I love her. She's badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like you maybe picked her just for me, Chloe, because I love badasses <laughs> so much. But I know you well, picked it for everybody, but, you know. <laughs> I did. I picked her for everybody. I I thought of you when, when I was making my selections, though. <laughs> you know, she actually was in my little, like, file of, like, people I should look up. So you know how I like oh, yeah? screenshot, screenshot like names I see roll across my feeds and stuff, and she definitely is in there. She definitely like was one of the broads on my list, but I had well deserved. So you beat me. You beat me to her. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> yeah, you're the winner. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's Lyudmila Pavlichenko. If you are interested in any of my other work on the internet, you can find my blog at chloejadesky.com. That's sky with an E at the end. And I also do another podcast with Jupiter Stone called Sky and Stone Do Television, where we cover TV series one one episode at a time. We've covered Euphoria, Watchmen, and right now we're doing Lovecraft Country. So check that out if you're interested. Um, I love that title. 
sky and stone do television that's so good yeah i love it if you want to support the show leave us a review on itunes it makes us more searchable and helps us find new listeners or you can just tell a friend about the show that also helps us find new listeners you can reach out to us on instagram if you have any ideas for broads for future episodes at broads you should know or you can head to our website broads you should know.com to find all of the resources and, and sources that we've used to find this information or send us an email at broads you should know at gmail.com thanks again for listening and see you next week